It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On. Locked On. Locked Lock, Lock On. Locked Lock, Lock On. Locked Lock On. Locked On. Cowboys. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can check him out on, on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. I uh, had uh, quite a weekend, to say the least, including a five-year-old that uh, has a broken elbow um, and a friend that had a surprise 40th birthday party, but I'm ready to, to all of that was, was, you know, with an eye towards what was going on at the combine. Sure. I, had, I had one eye on each of those situations and one eye on the combine. Uh, so I, I, have come ready to, uh, discuss football. I'm really ready to discuss anything other than what happened this weekend. Cause it's been a long one. So glad that football is here to be, to <laughs> sure. be my savior from all this. All right, so we're going to get to your Twitter questions today. Uh, but first, let's touch on the Combine. Uh, yesterday, we did a solo show talking about uh, some of the things that impressed me. Uh, let's talk about some defensive guys, shall we, Landon? Uh, and let's first start with Isaiah Simmons, a guy that the Cowboys don't have a chance at. Uh, but he was just a lot of fun to watch. What did you think of Isaiah Simmons' workout? I mean, it was <laughs> it's funny because it was actually – Speaking of my friend's party, I was at the party and we were watching the combine because we're all kind of football nerds too. Um, and I, you know, and, and they, these guys are, you know, most of my friends back at home are, are kind of uh, uh, more college football guys, right? So, so they're, they're more they're, casual. NFL yeah, they're more casual NFL fans, but they know they know what's going on. You know, they know they know the names and everything. And sure. Um, and, and, we, and Simmons comes up to line up, and, and I'm sitting there. I was like, watch this guy. He's going to run in the 4-4s. Four <laughs> and, and they're like, look at him. He's not gonna, He's 238. There's no way he's running 4-4s. Four I'm like, watch, watch this guy. He's going to run 4-4s. 
four fours. And I was totally wrong. And, uh, <laughs> and he ran a four three nine, and I even I was just like, whoa! And it was funny because it was one of those things where, uh, you know, I, I, I'm kind of showing off a little bit because these guys are coming yeah, off, yeah. And, I, and I'm kind of predicting what they're going to run. I mean, you know, because some of these guys, you know, you, you kind of have an idea at least what what they're. Yeah, gonna you know get. they're going to test. Yeah, that and, and Simmons, I was like, oh yeah, watch this guy. I thought I really got everybody. I was like, watch this guy. He's going to run a four four. And they're like, no way, no way. And then he goes out and runs a four three nine made me even look like a jerk and i was just like it was shocking i mean you know it's it really was he got he blew up off off the line and was just trucking and and, he, and i knew as he was going i was like oh wait this this is this might be way better than that mm-hmm. uh yeah it was just really impressive to see a big man move like that I, I think he was smart to kind of shut it down after that but i think you know somebody put the numbers up between him and bobby wagner and I yeah. thought that I thought that was a really interesting physical comparison, but uh, yeah, I, to me, that was probably the most impressive thing I've seen all weekend, short of maybe uh, Tristan Wirfs uh, and, and and some of the offensive tackle stuff that was really just unbelievable. But uh, re- what an amazing athlete that guy is! Yeah, it's very rare that I'm surprised by anything that happens at the combine because again, we generally have an idea of what these guys are going to run. Like yeah. when we watch Jerry Judy. We have an idea he's probably going to run in the mid 4 fours. It's just what kind of player he is. Usually you're surprised so, the other way, if anything. Correct. Yeah, it's, you're it's never really the opposite way of, whoa, this guy ran really fast. I knew Simmons was fast, and I, but seeing the 4-3 and the 9, I, but it's the 4-3 that you see, and it just it, it just shocks you. I had a similar experience. I, my wife was watching some of the combine with her and uh, with me, and I mean, I know that's a really boring Saturday night, staying home and watching the guys <laughs> run in their underwear. Uh, but the same thing happened. I'm like, hey, watch this, four, four, five, and she kind of ragged on me a little bit yeah. when I got it wrong when he ran a four, three, nine. So uh, I just, I mean, an incredible athlete. Um, but I'm going to be honest. I don't know if this necessarily changes his draft stock. Though. No, not necessarily. I, because I, I still think it's realistic he gets out of the top five or six picks. Maybe. Because you know, of the it, way the quarterbacks are. I mean, the whole quarterbacks thing, are and, it's like someone said, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, they were talking about, I think Dave Brugler mentioned, Chris Ballard said this, but this is something that you and I have been talking about forever and ever and ever, and lots of people talk about. The combine is, is a filtering system. You know, it's, Correct. it's, 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 yes. it's a means of elimination, right? And, and really what you're trying to do is confirm or contextualize the athleticism that you see on tape. And, 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 you know, like if, when you see and, – and, and so there's the other big, you know, uh, line that you hear from this is don't count it twice. And I think that's yes. really important yep. is that we knew – the reason Isaiah Simmons is up there is because we know he's a generational athlete. I mean, you see that right. on tape, right? So yep. when you see him run Absolutely. a 4-3-9, even though we all expected maybe something slightly slower, it's still – kind of counting it twice to really you know even bump mm-hmm. him up even further right because you knew that he was going to do that you knew that that he was uh, an incredible athlete maybe he's slightly better a better athlete but that I don't know that that's enough to actually move the needle on his stock and and for other guys like that and and this you know just to kind of lead this conversation into some other people it's it's a little bit like Epinesa, right? Yeah, let's Where, go ahead and do this conversation. Yeah, yep. because uh, to me, it's like, okay, I know Epinesa is not an athletic uh, marvel, right? His game is about length and strength and that, and that sort of thing. He's a power defensive end is what he is. Yeah. At the same time, mm-hmm. you you kind of want to see them get 
a, a bare minimum threshold of athleticism, right? Especially in a position where it requires so much athleticism. A defensive end, like, you know, you, you look at, and I think you've done as good a job as anybody on Twitter or anywhere of showing that using athletic uh, testing plus, uh, uh, you know, uh, production, is, production is, is yeah. a really great way of kind of determining what, who and who won't make it as, as a uh, – as a defensive end, as an edge player specifically. And so seeing Epinesa test the way he did is extremely discouraging because you know that he's not an athlete. You know that. But it's not double counting it the other way to see that he didn't clear the thresholds that you, you were hoping for. And now you have to kind of, you know, calculate that into your, uh, your projection of him is he going to be able to get away winning the way he does while having such a low per, you know percentage of athletes while being so overmatched as an athlete is his way of winning so translatable into the NFL that you know his lack of athleticism kind of continues to not be a problem even though the NFL it it becomes even more magnified, right? Because now he's he's a nineteenth percent athlete, as opposed to when he's in college. You know, even though he's not super athletic, he's probably somewhere in the fifty percent athlete, just because of the way the the athlete pool is, right? Yes. And so it, you know, it's, it it makes for an interesting conversation to say the least. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say this on Epinesa really quickly. Um, my opinions on the player actually don't change too much. Like I. I still think he's probably a defensive end on first and second downs in the NFL, and then kicks inside to three technique. I, I I don't I don't agree that he's a full time three tech now because of the poor testing. Yeah. My problem is, I just think that value is so much lower now because I, I don't think he has the the ten sack potential at the edge because he's he has to win in a certain way. Um, I think now. A good comp for him is Zach Allen, a defensive end from Boston College, who we spent a lot of time talking about on this show last year, right? Both these are, you know, 6'5", 280-pound defensive ends that ran, you know, in the five-second, 40-yard dash, that struggled in three-cone, but were still pretty productive in college. Yeah. Um, I think Epines is probably a better player. I think he's probably a better pass rusher. But I don't think that's somebody that you can consider in the top 20, 25 of the draft. I think you're looking now maybe top of the second round, maybe somewhere in the middle of the second round. And that's, I mean, that's pretty, that's a big drop from what people were expecting from him, you know, maybe two months ago. Yeah, it, it's it's just one of those things where, you know, again, you, you don't want to double count it too much. But the fact that he doesn't uh, uh, kind of clear athletic thresholds that you thought mm-hmm. it, it just gives you pause now yeah let's talk about a couple more guys before we get to your your questions um zach bond i thought he had a great day the numbers weren't fantastic uh but he really doesn't have any weaknesses and that's kind of what you see on tape right just a very well-rounded player that can play a lot of different positions uh, i think the 465 at 240 is a good time for him uh the arm length was good 32 inch arms um the three comb was right at seven which is excellent uh, what did you think of Zach Bond? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, like what we wanted to see is him come in and uh, show the kind of athleticism we see on tape. I, I think he, he showed us probably exactly the athleticism that we see on mm-hmm. tape, you know? like So I think, you know, you, you clear that threshold, and now you feel – I just it, it's just it's just kind of confirming, right? It just feels like that much more, uh, 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 you know – 
that much confirmation, more confirmation yeah. that that he is kind of what your eyes tell you he is. And I, yeah, mm-hmm. I think he's secured himself as a late first rounder, early second rounder type player. I feel like I, I say this on every podcast, but I feel like he's going to go to one of these teams at the back end of the sm- first round, one of these smart teams like the Patriots or the Ravens or maybe even the 49ers and just be a really, really solid player. He's going to fit perfectly into that late first round range. Um, the last guy I wanted to touch on, and it's somebody that we talked about actually just last week, CJ Henderson from Florida. Uh, he had an absolutely fantastic day, and we expected this. When you watch his tape, he's somebody who wins with athleticism. Uh, but what I guess was surprising to me was how good he did in everything. Again, six foot one, 204, 31 and a half inch arms. Uh, 439 in the 40, 31 inch ver- or 37 inch vertical, 127 in the broad. Uh, tested in the the math bomb, the raws, the relative athletic scoring, a perfect 10 out of 10. Which is, uh, we don't have, yeah, which is insane. That's we we don't have the spark score yet, but I anticipate him being in the 90th percentile for cornerbacks. Uh, Henderson just had a fantastic day. Any thoughts on him? No, I mean I I've loved Henderson since I studied him uh, I thought that you know obviously the tackling is is a thing but that's really the only thing right like mm-hmm. is he can really cover he's incredible athlete he's bursting in all directions and I think he went out there and, and he and he showed that uh, so yeah for me uh, if if he's the pick at 17 uh, I got no problems with that I mean yeah I, so if you're gonna if you're gonna lose Byron Jones in free agency at least you're getting another top-tier athlete who has some more ball skills than Byron Jones. Yeah. Now, I think he has other weaknesses that Byron doesn't have, especially tackling, and you mentioned it. But I think this is a pretty solid replacement. And we're going to have to talk about this at a different time. But when you do a mock draft, like on the Draft Network, and you take C.J. Henderson at 17, oh, yeah. it opens up the rest of the draft for you in ways that the other positions can't. Like if you take Kinlaw at 17 or Henry Ruggs at 17, you're still forced to take a most most of the time a cornerback in the second or third round, uh, and the depth doesn't always stretch there. But when you take Henderson there, things open up a lot for you. Uh, we'll have to com- have to have a conversation about that uh, at some other time. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll get to some of your Twitter questions. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Guys, let's talk about sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach since they're chewable. They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guys who want extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. 
Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships them direct, so they're cheaper than even a pharmacy would have. Right now, we have a special offer offer for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code NFL. Just pay $5 of shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code NFL to try it for free. All right, Landon, this first one is specifically for you. It comes from Adam. Uh, what are the chances of the Cowboys taking Antoine Winfield in the second round? We didn't talk about him in our combine review, but he had an excellent day. What do you think about him now as a, an option at 51? I hope he's there. I mean, <laughs> is that your ideal pick at 51 right now? Like the guy that you're hoping falls? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm kind of the same. I, I think, you know, for me, uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things where he, if you could come away with the first three, two rounds with Henderson and, and Winfield, that's the dream, right? I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah. And then really what I've been doing, you know, and I, I honestly, I'm assuming you're like me. I just run through these draft network. Uh, mm-hmm. all uh, the time dress. all the time and just do it i'm just constantly doing different combos just to see what's there and what's you know what's available every time i do that like every time i'm able to get those two guys i can do anything after that oh yeah anything. it's so easy and, yep. and, and 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 like and and really it makes the rest of the draft so much easier because you can just go straight best player available and, yep, you and, really and, can. Because, you know, you, you have some assumption that, that you can get a defensive tackle in, in, in uh, you know, at free agency. So you could really just go do whatever you need to do. And well, even even talking about defensive tackles, I, I don't think there's a gap really between what you get at 51 and what you get at the bottom of the third round. Like, I, I really don't think there's a big difference. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there is uh, – I think that it really is one of those things where you can – you could really just kind of let your draft go and just like really, really do what you want to do and, and, and let the, the rest of the draft fall to you. If you can find a way to get, come away with those two guys early on. Uh, and, and, and I think that, you know, if you find a way to, uh, uh, to get a wide receiver in there, I mean, you could, first of all, then you can really go and just draft whichever wide receiver comes up and oh yeah, you're oh, really yeah. in a good spot for drafting a wide receiver. But even if you don't want to draft a wide receiver, and maybe even especially if you don't want to draft a wide receiver, what you can do is is really find a way to uh, exploit the fact that the, there's wide receivers all over the place in this draft, and allow all these other kind of you know higher ranked guys to fall, and 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 pick you know some of these guys that are falling because uh, uh, uh you know because there's a, uh, a a dearth of 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 players in a position that you don't necessarily need you know. And, I agree, and, and uh, so there's there's yeah. just a lot of a lot of great options that pop up if you're able to pull that off early on. Um, I will admit, I mean, Winfield is one of my favorite options at 51, but that's actually not my favorite safety option for the Cowboys at 51 if they get Henderson. It's actually Kyle Duggar. Now I'm not sure how oh, realistic wow. it is that wow. Duggar falls to the Cowboys at 51 because he had a monster uh, combine. But I think in terms of fit with this team and with Xavier Woods especially, I do get a little nervous. I mean, not enough to make me avoid it, but a little nervous about having two undersized safeties in Woods and Winfield. But if you get somebody like Duggar, 
who is 6'1", 217, and runs in the 4'4s. I think Duggar can play in the box. I think he can be like a nickel linebacker for you if you need him to. I just think I like that fit a little better. Do you have any thoughts on Duggar? You know, I just I have concerns about the the level of competition jump still. Sure, I mean, absolutely. And, and that's still something that's going to be in my head. But, you know, I think he uh, – and I think he is kind of raw at the position too. It's not like this is a terribly, terribly refined player at the position – who is just playing at a lower level of competition. I was going to say, I saw enough at the Senior Bowl, though, to make me feel good that he can sure. come in and play, maybe not right away, but soon enough. So, I, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see, um, yeah, I could definitely understand that that thought process and that the uh, wanting to go there. He, he does give me a little bit pause, but uh, I think if the coaches – it's one of those things where I, I feel like if the coaches feel like they're confident with this guy, I would feel better. You know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I, I just think it, his level of competition and level of play is just such an unknown, you know, and it's hard to, tr- it's, it's hard to yeah. trust the tape just because it's, you know, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're just short of seeing bounce houses in the background. as <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, I, yeah, I was the same way. Um, going into the senior bowl, I, I've heard about him. I heard about his athleticism. But when I saw him in the drills and then specifically in the game, you can see it's just it comes natural to him. Um, he's a little older. He's 24. Uh, but that kind of elite athlete roaming near the line of scrimmage, I like that idea of a lot. Um, speaking of the safeties, this question comes from Brandon Hooper. Uh, how do you compare this year's safety class to last year's? Do you see a similar slide for them this year? Um, you know, Last year we didn't have a first-round safety outside of Darnell Savage. So let's kind of talk about these guys that are expected to go, you know, sometime in the second round, like uh, Duggar, Winfield, maybe an Ashton Davis. How do those guys stack up with Taylor Rapp and Juan Thornhill and Nasir Adderley? I think Rapp, I mean, I think that there's uh, higher floors than some of the guys last year. I mean, I think Rapp is, is a pretty, was a pretty safe pick. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I don't he know. He just liked the elite athleticism yeah, that you want yeah. a safety. I mean, I think he's likely, he came into the league as what he's probably going to leave the league as, right? You know, I mean, right. I, I don't no, know I how much better, or, you know, improved he's, he's going to be. Uh, but, I mean, he came in and, into the league and had a, like 100 tackles his first year or yeah. something. So, I mean, that's that's perfectly fine and doable. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, I think that the, this class is probably uh, a little bit. I mean, if we're just talking about second round safeties, I think this class is a little bit less like clearly talented than I think because you know, I think Savage and and, and Rap are are pretty pretty good safety prospects. I, but I think the difference is, is that those were also the top safety prospects last year, right? And and so. Mm-hmm. I think the difference is that you've got two guys who are probably better than those two guys above them. And then I would probably put Savage and Rap like I would probably do put it Savage uh Winfield then Rap if they were all in in the same draft. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um it is it is kind of interesting that, that it's very similar to last year and like you had Nasir Adderley, who a lot of people loved but coming from a small school. Yeah, that is they were true. worried about the jump of competition. Uh he ended up falling to I think pick 60 or something like yeah. that all the way down to the Chargers. Um 
Thornhill was a converted cornerback playing safety, so there was some questions about, you know, how is he going to transition to the position. I do like some of the playmaking better in this class. Uh, if you mentioned Delpit, uh, I think he has a potential to follow the second round. Obviously, he can create plays. Uh, I like that Ashton Davis is a free safety who can, you know, make some plays as a ball hawk. Uh, Winfield, obviously, and then Duggar in the box. So I think it's very comparable. I just think there's maybe more names this year than there were last year. Yeah, I mean, the number certainly seems higher uh, as far yeah. as just the number of people, number of safeties available in that area. Yeah, all right. So let's go ahead and move on to a next def- different question. And this one comes from Zach. And I think we need to have this conversation now because of the, the combine. Um, if Derek Brown slips to 17 after a not-so-great combine – but Henry Ruggs is still on the board. Do you take Brown or Ruggs? Brown. Let's go ahead and start with this part first. <laughs> Derek Brown's pro or combine. He ran an eight-two-two, three-cone, but at six foot four, three hundred and thirty pounds, he ran five-one in the forty. How much do you think his forty is going to make him fall, if at all? If at all? It won't make him fall at all. I agree. Thank a five, you. Five-one in at three thirty is not bad, guys. No. Just, just because you saw a guy who. Was six eight and ran a three thirty and run run of uh, uh, a four uh, nine or whatever four nine. That doesn't mean just because you saw a freak do a freakish thing, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that anybody else is not good. And again, please, please let this make him fall to seventeen. Yes, I mean, I would love that. Look, I love rugs. Like I, I think picking rugs is is an incredible thing. I, I think it would be it would really change the dynamics of this offense. It could be everything to this team. But man, I mean, are you kidding me? If Derrick Brown came to, fell down to the Cowboys, I'm running, I'm backpedaling and, and you know, double birding everybody in my on my way because I <laughs> run to go make that pick. That would be amazing. You know, yeah. it's it's it, it, seriously, he is just go. Watch, I mean, if you haven't watched the tape because he's one of those guys who's out of our range, just if you get the time, just just go watch one game. Just go watch the Alabama yeah. game, or go watch the LSU game uh, against uh, uh, Brown. Dude, right, dude, so is, a, dude is tossing NFL off NFL caliber offensive lineman aside. You know, like it's just he's abnormally strong, and 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 I think these are the guys that the NFL struggles to test at the combine, right? Because we, right, his, yes, his game absolutely. is so power based and initial burst based that it's. It's it's you know you're not getting that that you're not you're not getting that out of a bench press you know competition. Sure. All right. So a few things really quickly. First of all, a lot of people are are saying he had a bad combine because of the three cones specifically. Everything else was fine, especially when you weight adjust it. The eight two two three cone is throwing people off. My first question for you, Landon, is. How much does that really matter in terms of Derrick Brown's game? Because he's not using his, you know, he's not bending around guards and centers to win, right? He's just forklifting guys up and getting pressure that way. So in a vacuum, how much does the, the three-cone actually matter for interior defensive linemen? I mean, I'll tell you, I'll say this much. Have, how many reps have we seen of Derrick Brown where he gets into the backfield and can't make the play? Right, like he's making the play, <laughs> like and and again the other thing too is that if, if he's not making the play, 
the offensive line, the you know quarterback or the running back or the person who with the big huge saucer eyes that uh, you know like that are sticking out of his head like a cartoon because they see Derek Brown discard the guard like he was a two hundred and forty pound high school freshman. Uh, mm-hmm. They're doing something so extreme to avoid being tackled by him that you know usually somebody else will get a seven yard tackle for the loss because the running back will literally start running backwards and around and trying to get away from this monster that's chasing him. So. Yeah, I mean, I think if we were seeing, if we were seeing a situation where Brown was it was getting into the backfield and not making plays, or you know, a situation where he wasn't able to finish or or wasn't able to get to where he was trying to go, that's not a problem for this guy. And and again, mm-hmm. he's doing this in the SEC on a regular on the regular against basis. Alabama against, and yeah. LSU. Yes, I, I I have a hard time believing that. Uh, 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 you know, it's. I have a hard time believing that that he that that time really represents what we see on tape at all. You know, and I, I've seen a hundred examples of of Brown being able to do that, and I and I've only seen him. I've only heard about one three cone drill that he's done. So I'm going to take the the side that has the most evidence. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. I, I've seen this guy do what he needs to do at the highest level possible. Really quick couple points. Um, first of all, three-cone time matters more for edge rushers than it does interior yes. defensive linemen because yeah. they have to bend. You don't really need to bend a lot for an interior defensive guy to win. Um, the second thing is a lot of times these type of defensive tackles don't do the three-cone, and that's why his time was so shocking to us. For example, Vita Vea didn't do a three-cone. Dexter Lawrence didn't do a three-cone. DJ Reader did, and his was 795. Jordan Phillips was at an 800. So that number is shocking to us because we don't typically see these guys do it a lot. I guarantee you if Dexter Lawrence did the same exact drill last year, his time would have been awful. But because he didn't do it, we never talked about and, it. And, um, and Reader's game, too, just to be clear, like DJ yeah. Reader, I'm, I mean, I was leaving the DJ Reader train when he came out of Clemson a few years yeah. ago. His game is different than Brown's. You know, his game right. is more of a dancing bear, like you know, quickness. So if that was the case, and 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 DJ Reader ran that three cone, I might be a little bit surprised. But if you look at who DJ Reader is as a player, that's the way he wins at three hundred thirty pounds. So so that makes sense that he has a you know uh, quicker three cone time. Brown is just destroying blocking schemes. And you know, and and is an unstoppable force, and it, it's more of do you have enough time to execute your scheme before Brown is going to get to you? You know, sure. And that's that's more and, his game. And and the last point I was going to make, as a whole, not only just with the defensive line group, but as an entire class, this group did not do particularly well in the three cone. And I think the changes in schedule had a little bit to do I with agree. that. Yeah. I'm interested to see, like, if he does it at the, his pro day, which he doesn't need to. But if he does it as pro day, how much does that time improve? Uh, I, I'm not really worried about Derek Brown at all. Um, our last question, Landon, comes from Vaughn. Uh, now that we are locked into Ezekiel Elliott at a premium price, what ways can we keep his per-season touches reasonable while still maximizing his short-term value? I think this is an important question because the Cowboys are locked into Zeke for the next three or four years. Um, so what ways can they help you know maintain his value over that stretch, but also keeping him being productive on the field. Well, I think he, the the Vaughn actually said it accidentally without maybe even meaning it. But the the key is to think about it as touches. 
you know, and we're going into, as we kind of slowly move into more of a West Coast-based offense, I mean, I think a lot of what can happen is just getting Zeke the ball in different ways. I mean, throwing the ball mm-hmm. to him uh, uh, on short, you know, uh, throwing him the ball on first down as opposed to handing him off the ball at times, I think could be a, a, a valuable way to get him a player that is, val- you know, dangerous with the ball in his hands, uh, but may not, you know, now he's taking those hits from, safeties and corners as opposed to defensive linemen and linebackers you know um and i think also when you talk about you can't you can't exclude pollard from this conversation because pollard Pollard is a guy that's you know due to get a whole bunch more touches next year i think based on what we saw this year uh so that's obviously going to be someone who will be in the backfield with zeke at times but also i think they won't be afraid to uh to give Zeke more breaks, I think, with, with when they have a talented back like that. So uh, I think, you know, they have a, they have a situation in place with, with Pollard and with, uh, like I said, kind of maybe some more West Coast offense uh, schemes happening in the offense. Uh, they have, between those two things, I think they have enough in place to kind of uh, functionally keep the offense going without having to give Zeke uh, uh, a huge amount of touches like he has previously, at least in the manner that he had been used to. I think, you know, getting him some more pass touches, getting him some uh, uh, some more out-of-the-backfield routes, it just gives him an opportunity to get the ball in his hands, to advance the ball, uh, maybe in situations where he's not having to get pounded by a defensive tackle as he tries to get through the hole or you know, in, in ways that in, in that sort of way. Yeah, that's exactly my point. I was going to say maybe the West Coast offense is the best thing that could ever happen for him uh, because now he won't be in so many head-on collisions with linebackers and stuff. Maybe he'll be out in space more with lighter boxes. Uh, I, I think that in itself will help preserve some of his value. And then obviously Tony Pollard. If they can find a way to to have Pollard cut back four touches a game from Elliott over his career average, I, I think that would be fantastic in keeping his long-term value. That's going to be something we're going to have to keep an eye on to see what the Cowboys do over the next couple of years uh, to help out Zeke. That is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at LockedOnCowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you next time. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.